Welcome, ladies and gents, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the X-Men featuring the Beast and Iceman number 47, the August 1968 issue titled The Warlock Wears Three Faces. Ooh, that was a mouthful. Not only that, it's also the mystery of Mahayogi. So apparently... Uh, we have a team-up between Maha Yogi and the Warlock. Indeed. And the Beast and the Iceman. Oh, hey, everybody. This is uh, Jeremy along with... Adam, how are you doing? We're kind of cutting in post-production because, well, we ran into a little glitchy problem with our last recording. For some reason, uh, I blame myself. My goofy setup inserted a little bit of crackly fuzz. And uh, I was able to salvage some of it with uh, some audio editing tools, but you can still hear some residual crackling in there. Hopefully it's not too bad. We listened to it, and, you know, it's still audible. Yeah, it's so still... If you if you can't tolerate it, just skip this episode. And see, the part of the joy of doing the Danger Room podcast is the spontaneity. And so when you have to do the episode again for the second time, you're just kind of going through the motions and, you know, telling the same jokes and... I don't know. Half the fun of these podcasts is uh, me making Adam laugh and Adam making me laugh. And Oh, and the worst thing is that like you steal all my jokes the second time around. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. So there you go. <laughs> in order to keep both of us from stealing each other's jokes, we're deciding in this case to leave in the spontaneity. So without further ado, uh, enjoy this wonderful vapid tale of, <laughs> of the X-Men with a little bit of scratch. Thanks for checking us out. Bye. So on the cover, we have Iceman's making a little ice shield. Uh, somebody's firing a hand beam at him, who I can only presume is Mahayogi. And then Beast is swinging on a, in on a rope. It's very He's exciting. To kick Mahayogi directly in the back of the head. Yeah. This is going to be an awesome one. <laughs> because it's, it's our favorite X-Men, the ones that are most talked about, Beast and Iceman. Yeah, they're the they're the the duo. They're the draw to the X Men, and there are some unexplained relationship things that are hopefully discussed in this uh, issue. Don't you think? Such as latent homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever do you mean? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Something I, uh, it's just a theory I've been working on. <laughs> Something you just threw together at the office. Yeah, yeah, you know, sitting around the office, like you know what? I think Iceman and Beast might be gay, and that's cool. You know, nothing wrong with some gay superheroes. But there's frankly, there's not enough of them. In fact, I think isn't there only one? Uh, well, there is one DC one and one Marvel one. Oh no, I think there's two Marvel ones because didn't um, uh, Aurora, Aurora's brother, North Star, he came out, didn't he, as a as a gay man, and he and he wanted a relationship with Iceman, but Iceman's like, nah. Well, who's the other one? Because that's uh, the one I was thinking of. The other one is Wonder Man. Wonder Man's gay? I think so. I think uh, I have the issue in which he came out. It was like a big deal. I think the issue came ar out around 91, 92. I think it was like Wonder Man number 50, maybe? I might have this all wrong, but I, I, swear, to, I swear to God, Wonder Man was also gay. Huh. I don't know well. how... The, and I would actually... I kind of want to go back and read it because... It's hard for me to imagine that, like, in the issue, you know, he's fighting a bad guy and, uh, you know, and his big reveal is, I've defeated you and I'm I'm also gay. Like, how does <laughs> how does that reveal happen, you know? <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and read that. Anyways, those are the, 
the only the two that I who's the DC uh, character who's gay? It was recently announced that the um, well wait with, wait with the wait, whole please be Batman please be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know that Batman's gay. Okay, okay. But the uh, uh, the original Green Lantern who is no longer the original Green Lantern because of the whole reboot. He's now the Green Lantern of Earth Two, I believe. So is so it's so the, it's not Hal Jordan. It's uh, the guy before Hal Jordan. I forget his name. So is he being currently written about, or is it like, oh, and by the way, there used to be this guy who was gay, but he's not around anymore. No, he's being currently written about. Oh, okay. I was gonna say that was that's, that'd be a cop out to be like, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, let's see, who's uh, you know, the Toad? No, he's still in current <laughs> X Men, isn't he? You know who Maha yep. Yogi? He was gay. <laughs> he was. He <laughs> totally was. All right, on to the actual issue and out of the uh, yes, out of the bedroom. This is a Stanley <laughs> uh, feature, of course. Um, it is scripted by Gary Frederick, and apparently he needed a little help for this, so he bought, brought in his good buddy Arnold Drake. I don't know. I think this is a sign of the times. Mm. Every issue seems to be passing the buck off to a new author. This is Gary Friedrich saying, I'm stunned with the X-Men. It's time for you to take over Arnold Drake. Yeah, well, at least he's, like, helping out, you know, doing a transition plan. You know, unlike Gary Frederick, I think, was just handed the title, wasn't he? Well, he's like, here's where I left off. Yeah, you go. Take it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how they become a, a scripting duo. Uh, I believe Arnold Drake has written previous episodes, however. Oh, yeah? Or issues. Um, maybe one or two. His uh, name is familiar. Don Heck is doing our layouts, and I don't know why, but Werner Roth is taking the lead from uh, uh, from Don Heck. Werner Roth hates layouts. That could be. He was telling me about it the other day. He called me up, and he was like, Oh, Adam, I hate the layouts. <laughs> That's did, how he talks. Did, why didn't you record it? That would have been an awesome feature for the podcast. Uh, you know, I was lazy. Okay. And he doesn't like to be recorded. Yeah, that's the ticket. I'm so scared of the microphone. That's why I write all this time, Adam, you see. And the layouts. <laughs> They're no good. I don't like them. I can't stand them. Match. <laughs> uh, and uh, John Tartaglioni and Artie Simic are back doing their respected inking and lettering jobs. Well, from a layout perspective, I would say that this very first splash screen is actually kind of cool. I like it. Although it's not really a layout, it's just a full page, but still, it's 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 well drawn. It's a nice shot. It's nice. It's a full full page spread of uh, Beast and Iceman walking, both looking pretty glum, and they behind them is a cloud of X Men walking valiantly. And there's a, a lot of thinking here about, mostly just a recap about oh the FBI told us to split up and we'll never be a team again, and I used to love those guys and. How are we ever going to deal with this? And Beast's all like, oh, Bobby's still upset. There's some kind of barrier between us. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell him tonight that <laughs> how I feel about him. See, now I just think Beast is the gay one. And uh, Iceman, is I believe, is you know young and impressionable. And uh, oh. he hasn't made his decision. So he's uh, bi-curious? Yeah, he's he's an unknown factor. Okay, he hasn't he hasn't quite committed yet, but he's not necessarily closed to the idea. Right, Beast okay. is hopeful. Oh, and, and Beast is always like, come on, anytime now. <laughs> uh, next page. I'm ready when you are, lad. Next page is a whole lot more thinking. Um, 
they they keep talking about Duncan and Agent Duncan, but they don't actually refer to him as Amos or Fred. So yeah, I feel like somebody may figured out they slipped up, <laughs> or or they just realized that they didn't have no had no idea what his first name was. Somebody, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Ralph, Ralph Duncan. Somebody, you know, I'm just not going to call him anything. Somebody went back and actually read issue two, and they're like, Fred, son of a. All right, <laughs> just call him Duncan for a few issues. Everybody will forget. Uh, and they keep thinking they're walking somewhere, and uh, you know there are. We should have remained a team, and I hope somebody doesn't die to prove that we shouldn't have split up. And uh, the a agent Duncan and the FBI said that the only way we can combat evil is if we spread across the country. To which I wonder, why are they still in New York? Because <laughs> they haven't left yet, I guess. But well, uh, okay, I see. Beast is kind of uh, pretty skeptical about the whole idea. He, he kind of realizes that one by one, the X-Men as a team haven't been knocking them out. And they're, they're a lot better with their combined powers. Hmm. Okay. We should have remained a team. And finally, Beast breaks the silence and says, Ah, Bobby boy, why continue racking our considerably confused craniums? That's all code, by the way. <laughs> Alas, why not look on the brighter side and see our ladies fair? That's also code. He really has no interest in seeing the ladies, but it was the but only. That's what Bobby's into, and you know he wants to. You know he doesn't want Bobby to think he's square. Yeah, it was the only way to get Bobby out tonight. Is oh yeah, let's go meet up with the girls. Say right. that's a that's a that's a tip top idea there, Beastie. So they uh, go to meet Vera and Zelda, and. Uh, we flip scenes to a crowded theater in which the incomparable Maha Yogi is performing. We get an extreme close-up of his face as he talks about um, searching for the key to our cosmic being, which lies within the ectoplasmic core of thine own existence. Yeah, or something Sounds like that. Sounds like a lot of mishmash to me. Yeah. Ectopl I didn't even read that line. I would have made a Ghostbusters reference. <laughs> Within the ectoplasmic core of thine own existence. Wow, that's now, I gathered from Ghostbusters 1 and 2, especially 2, that ectoplasm, ectoplasm was kind of like ghost blood. I thought it was just like supernatural slime. Well, right, ghost blood. Sure. Either, either and, uh, I, I think... I think we're getting, what was his name again? Arnold Drake? I think he's just like making shit up as we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I'll call it the ectoplasmic core. I just heard this cool new word, ectoplasmic. Woo! Gary Frederick was like, all right, on my way out, I just want you to know that the X-Men are made up of five people. There's four guys, one girl. The professor's dead. Duncan said that they had to split up. It's all yours. See you later. Hey, uh... use this old character from a previous issue. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, don't worry about that. Just start writing. You're <laughs> going to do wonderful. So uh, he, Mahayogi talks about the darkness of their own true identities. So we're not really sure what his performance is. Like, is he a So far, he's just talking. Yeah, is he a motivational speaker or, <laughs> you know, I don't know what he is, a snake oil salesman? But we're not really sure. But apparently outside, um, Beast and Iceman have picked up their ladies' fair, or so it would be. And they're trying to get tickets for what turns out to be the next and last sold-out performance of Mahayogi before he leaves town tonight. But yeah, so the uh, the gorgeous 
uh, ticket sales lady says, perhaps if there's a cancellation, we can get you guys in to see. So you should come back later. Uh, Iceman, uh, he, or Bobby, I'm going to call him Bobby because he's not really Iceman right now. Um, he uh, is making some excuses, and uh, that's when Zelda says, well, maybe you could have planned or something. That's a good response, yeah. Maybe you could have called ahead and seen if there were some tickets. So um, as much as Beast, I, as I can figure, hates the Cafe Agogo, he suggests that they go to the Cafe Agogo. Hey, Beast but... is very confused. You know, he needs to come out of the closet for more than one thing. And he's like, he does. He just wants to fit in. He wants everybody to like him. He's ter- terribly afraid that any anything about him that caught is different will just reveal everything and will make everyone hate him. Mm. So he calls the Cafe Agogo the haven of the happy hippies. I'd like everybody to just remember that statement. Okay, <laughs> Haven of the Happy Hippies. Let it settle on your mind for a little bit as we progress through the story. It may be important. Then we cut back to the inside the Psychorama, as they call it, where Maha Yogi is gazing deeper into the uh, convincing, convincing the, the entire audience to gaze deeper into his eyes. For there begins the tunnel to thine own being. Ectoplasm, <laughs> or something like that. He's thinking now. Who are you going to call? <laughs> Maha Yogi. <laughs> so uh, he says, the last of the hypno resistance of them now begins. They fall under my sway. So apparently he is hypnotizing them. Uh, and he goes on to say that um, wherever they go, they'll all be my slaves to my command. So he's His cre- psychic servants. Yeah. So he's creating like a um, hypnotized sleeper cell almost yeah. of, uh, of slaves on the next page they call them hypnotized human time bombs i like sleeper cells it's it's more with the times <laughs> it's a pretty cool plan though i like maha yogi is he's traveling from town to town and he's putting all these people under his trance and he's gonna have a huge army all over the world so i'm le- one day click they wake up and zombies yeah, so I'm led to believe that they leave this going like, "What a wonderful performance!" I couldn't tell you what it was about, but it was awesome. And then exactly. one, yeah, and then one day, well, actually, he says there he's got a battalion for his psychic army. So, just like you said, as soon as he's ready, he can flip the switch, and all these guys are going to go nuts. Yeah, that'd be an awesome. A great plan. That'd be an awesome story arc if, like, this guy went from coast to coast and had like sixty percent of the population under his spell, and then there was like a six-part arc about like how. The X-Men had to battle them, and it's like this dystopian society because even, like, the president himself is hypnotized and under the sway of Maha Yogi, but it... Wow. Come on. And it's perfect timing because they're all split up, so they're all around the... Like, they're all around the country, and they're each, like, attacking their own cell, and they realize that they need to bring the X-Men back together in order to uh, save the world, and that's when the FBI realizes that, oh, we need you guys all together because then, only then... Can we uh, rescue civilization? And then it becomes the most popular story arc of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we could go back in time and talk to Gary Frederick or Frank... Arnold Drake. Arnold Drake, whoever. We could give him an idea or two. But anyways, I doubt that's what's going to happen. So we flip over to the <laughs> ca- we flip over to the Cafe Agogo, 
uh, where there is poetry on the program. And I can only assume that the po- program is like, oh, I don't know what I can assume it is. Right now that the fat man is reading. And he is a, then come cast out the rotten bananas of your mind and feast instead upon the ripe kumquats of cerebral orchards. See, what I don't understand is he sounds like Beast. So why isn't Beast totally digging on this? Well, I think Beast whispers, is he for real? Yeah. And that's where one of these happy hippies in this haven for them hits Beast on the back of the head with like a G.I. Joe-style karate chop to the back of the neck. Thump. And he says, what's the matter, John, John? You don't dig Fat Man's poetry? You not turning on to the scene? That's okay. We run a special school for you uptown squares. Come outside and we'll hit you up with some culture. So, uh, look, that's not very hippie-ish, is it? No, these are the unhappy hippies. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, this guy, he's got the right look. You know, he's got like a turtleneck, funky sweater, and like a suede jacket, and his buddies all have like funky glasses and stuff. So he, he could be, a, you know, a hippie dude, but he's like all violent. So on the next page, in the next panel, he whacks Beast again across the back of the head. You don't understand, Herman. This is compulsory education, and I'm the truant officer, so, like, move. He wants to take him outside and rough him up. This is not very hippie-like. Unless... <laughs> I think this guy is a drunk. I think he is a drunk hippie who has lost his way. He's not smoking the marijuana, and he's not happy, and he's not mellow. No. He needs to just mellow out and kick up some high. Because right now, he, he is drunk and mean, and he looks like a dreadnought. <laughs> he does, actually. His, his, his buzz has definitely been harsh, but here's what I think. Uh, he's under the sway of Mahayogi. Oh, yeah? You think he's one of the sleeper cell? No. Actually, I know that's not true. Uh, <laughs> he's just a poorly written hippie. We need some grape soda and donuts. Get on your choppers, Zartan. We got to rough up them Joes. Oh, yeah. All right, so Iceman decides to spring into action, so he freezes a nearby power terminal or something, and that uh, shorts out the lights. Yep, so the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine panels take place in the dark. Man, like, who turned off the sun? And that's when Beast takes the hippie and throws them. The other uh, hippie punks or whatever, whatever they are, they get frozen to the floor. Yep. Um, how Iceman and Beast are able to see, I don't know. So the first panel on page six, I love because I'm not really sure which way is up and what just happened. Yeah, it looks like Spider-Man showed up and threw a web in the background. Yep, there's a Spider-Man web in the background. Somebody says, far be it from me to separate a real doll boy like you from his loving buddies. Sure glad I renewed my membership in the American Bowling Congress. So, And then I don't know if this is a giant bowling ball that hits them or a table or if that's the floor and this panel is actually kind of cockeyed, like 170 degrees, or what's going on? See, I guessed that Beast took the guy that he just decked and tossed him at the other guys, but that doesn't make any sense because it's colored all wrong, and well, the, only... guy that, the guy that gets thrown into the other guys is the guy, the guy wearing purple with the red hair, and there's only two guys. Yeah. And I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. The guy that's sideways is in a purple suit, and the guy that was attacking Beast 
is wearing a red jacket and brand brown pants. The guy in the purple suit is stuck in the ice. Right. Uh, so, Somehow nobody is stuck in the ice anymore. I'm so confused as to what's happened here. It doesn't matter because it's all in the dark. Yeah, okay. So then the main hippie guy takes a chain out, and he's about to attack somebody, but Iceman... He makes... still can't see. Keep that in mind. Oh, it's, so it's pitch black in here. Yes. Oh, okay. It's not... Yeah, right. It's not colored that way because now it's like they're in the blue void or something. There's no walls. <laughs> there's no floor. It's just blue and uh, black lines at various angles. They're in the dark. Um, Iceman stabs him with a ice harpoon. Yeah. <laughs> and then clubs him over the head with the same ice harpoon. So not only twice, because we get a thwap, thwap. <laughs> so not only does he get stabbed in the gut, he gets hit over the head twice. And then in true Batman style, everything's dark. There's some yellow stars, and it says, Bahwam, Thwump. Kafwoosh, Zam. See, I think this panel is actually summarizing up the previous eight panels. And I, I think that's what really happened. Just the, so we could have condensed everything into Bahwam, Thwump, Kush, Zam. And then cut to the next panel and all the thugs are on the floor. And Beast and Iceman are walking away. And it would have been hilarious. That would have been actually a lot better than what we just got treated to. <laughs> okay, so uh, whoever's walking away in the foreground, it's just a pair of black shoes, says, looks like the show's over, better grab the girls and get out of here. It's got to be Iceman. Probably, he's talking about the girls. Beast's Thought Bubble would be like, where's my little buddy Iceman? <laughs> I sure hope he's not hurt. He's so fragile. <laughs> so so the, uh, the boys collect the girls, and the girls are all asking them what happened when the lights went out, and uh, Beast reveals that they were under the table, and um, I don't know what that's all about. I don't know. They're, they could have just said... Uh, we couldn't see anything, but anyways, the girls are like, oh, you're always under the table when it's hero time. Nobody says, like, how come every time we're with you, bad things happen? Or, like, are you okay, Beast? I saw that guy hit you over the head twice. <laughs> uh, and so they make it back to the box office, and the gorgeous, as you mentioned, box office lady says, you're in luck, handsome. A cancellation for four, and uh, Zelda's a little bit jealous. If she smiles any harder, you shall crack her makeup. Uh, Bitch. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> so they get uh, some seats in the Maha Yogi show, and instantly Iceman says, Hey, Hank, I hear a familiar voice masked by an unfamiliar face. Why, it's Yaha Maha Yogi. My, Yogi Maha. Yaha Yamaha Hogi. At this point, I think Arnold Drake was writing his story, and they were like, who is this Maha Yogi? I mean, this is like a really interesting idea you got. He's planning to take over the world by dominating people's minds. But let's make him the warlock. And, and let's forget that whole dominating the world thing. Well, let's take it. That's what happened. I think Arnold Drake had this genius idea, and he was going to do a six-part epic just the way we described it. And then oh, Gary Friedrich stepped in and was like, no, man, that's stupid. <laughs> Let me tell you about this cat I invented called a warlock. He's super cool. He's Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> He's a mutant named Merlin from olden times, King Arthur and Camelot and round tables. All right, so Adam, I could have done the research, but I didn't. And for those of you who are maybe our newer listeners, uh, when we last saw the warlock, he had like an underground world or something, and he had these really cool scooters. 
Yep, he was like he was like through some weird dimensional portal. He was on the other side of some dimension. And he had been originally a Thor villain who had fallen asleep, then woken up or something. Yeah, he was put to sleep by Thor, and then didn't he end up asleep at the end of the the episode that we saw him in? Well, see, that's what I was hoping you would remember. I, I don't remember how the X Men actually defeated uh, the Warlock the last time they fought him. All I remember is that he didn't talk like this. No. Yes, children of the cosmos, gaze deep within mine eyes, deeper. Bathe thyselves in the life-forgiving or life-giving force that dwells there. Now there art all minions of the mighty Maha Yogi. He didn't talk that way. I. He had like. Uh... Uh, slaves, or not slaves, but he had like henchmen and uh, thugs and stuff under his command through his dimensional portal, right? Yeah. Uh, so he was, he was pretty powerful, but I guess he's been disconnected from that dimension entirely, it would seem. Yeah. So we don't remember how the X-Men defeated him. And I can totally understand the whole Merlin, like, talking or the whole Maha Yogi talking with all the thine and the mine and the thyselves and whatnot if if it was like an act oh right but it's but it's well anyways so but he continues like that for the rest of the issue spoilers <laughs> oh way to give it away now nobody's gonna listen to the end so it's not a real spoiler <laughs> so beast and uh iceman they rec as they recognize mahayogi is actually the warlock who is actually merlin from olden times i don't know why these characters have to have three uh, names, but anyways, they take off towards the side exit so that they can change into their costumes and get battle ready. Did, did the professor do like a mind wipe on him? On Merlin? Yeah. Remember, they escaped uh, from the dimensional portal, which was just a cave they came out of, and the professor was driving this badass scooter, like floating scooter thing, which I was like. He's gonna keep that forever, and it's gonna be—it's gonna keep coming back. Because why would you get rid of that piece of technology, and then we never saw it again? Yeah, unfortunately, it was in the prior omnibus, or I would look it up. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, we'll just keep going. So uh, the X Men, or I'm sorry, Beast and Iceman—they get changed as fast as they can, and they get back on. They jump onto stage. Yeah, apparently, the audience at this point is completely hypnotized, and. Mahayogi, or should we just call him Warlock from here on out, recognizes them as Beast, and, or the X-Men, rather. Well, Iceman calls him Mahahuha, so we could call him that. <laughs> Mahahuha, or whatever your name is. I'm going to black your eye. That's essentially what he says. It's interesting that uh, Beast comments that it's a good thing we spotted the Warlock when we did, and... Iceman says, check, otherwise we wouldn't have provided defenses against his mass hypnosis. So that's the only reason that they weren't hypnotized. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Well, but what in the last issue was uh, Warlock's power? Um, another question that I do not have the answer to. Wasn't there an arena that he made like all of the X-Men fight in? Mental bolts? <laughs> sure, he had mental bolts. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember what his powers were, but I don't recall them being hypnosis. No, but I, I, I accept him. He's a warlock. He can do hypnosis. Okay. Maybe he learned it in between. Like, for all we know, he's appeared, like reappeared in Thor at some point between this, and that's how he woke up. 
Sure. All right. Well, I would expect that there would be like a traditional Stanley asterisk saying, as seen in Thor number whatever. Okay. I think everybody's vacationing in this issue. Nobody cares. Except for Arnold Drake. The entire Marvel like, bullpen. Guys, I got this great idea. He writes half of it, and Stanley comes back and is like, whoa, buddy, whoa. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, so anyways, uh, he makes Beast think that the floorboards are stuck to his feet, and because of that, Beast slips, I guess. Uh, yep. I, I, and, um, and then he thinks that the, the gravity is like turned off or something. Yeah. So he's thinking floating around in space. He, I think he thinks that he's floating around in space. See what they could, right. what he could have done here or what would have been a little bit neater is to show this panel that we see of, of beast flipping around and like him, like all like, Oh my God, discombobulated. I don't know where I am. But then show the next panel of beast just kind of like laying on the ground. Like motionless, mm-hmm. like mentally, he's like, "Oh my God, I'm spinning around," but like physically, he's just laying there. That'd have been a cool. Well, remember, according to uh, the 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 the, uh, the research of one of our viewers, Brandon uh, Purdue, the Marvel method means that the um, the artist goes first. That's a terrible, terrible method. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So poor poor Arnold Drake is like, but what happened to my awesome idea? <laughs> I don't know. I was just filling in word balloons. I couldn't tell what was going on. First, you got Beast skiing in the air on a piece of wood, and then he's flipping around without that piece of wood. I had to write something. <laughs> but it's Mahayogi. No, 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 no. It's Warlock. <laughs> so, <laughs> boo. So Iceman jumps in, and he shoots some ice at uh, Warlock's face. But So the Warlock kind of has also, uh, what was that? villain from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, Mastermind. Yeah. He's got Mastermind's powers, too, and he creates a imaginary snow attack against Iceman. I didn't even think about that, because supposedly in his, his powers are that of hypnosis, but if he doesn't hypnotize you, then he wouldn't be able to suggest things to you. So since he hasn't theoretically hypnotized Beast and Iceman, then yes, he's using some illusionary power. Which begs the question, why is he even bothered doing all this hypnosis in the first place? <laughs> why does he just make like a giant illusion of like, I don't know, like nuclear bombs falling in the city and, and broadcasters saying, oh my god, you have to flee the city, we're on fire, get out! And then Mahayogi walks in and he just takes all the money from the banks. Because he's not after money. He's after, he's like a chaotic agent. He is just creating all these terrorist cells around the world. And he he's just gonna create chaos. Okay. So yeah, he makes uh, it seem to Iceman that it's snowing, and that the snow, the ice that he just threw at uh, Warlock is blowing back a snow and filling up. And the it's room. like a hurricane force Arctic wind. And it's filling up the room, and it's causing him to um, suffocate because it's filling up so high. And he he knows that it's an illusion, but he can't fight it, so he's. It's unimaginable that I'm going to be smothered, killed by my own imagination. And uh, he's about to die unless something causes the warlock to lose his concentration. And that's when Beast jumps in. Yes. And saves the day. So apparently when... Little buddy! (laughs) I'll mirror for you, buddy! (laughs) And uh, he hits warlock over the back of the head with something called a rabbit punch. I don't know what that is. But I, it looks like well, 
a rabbit kicks him in the back of the head. This is my understanding of a rabbit punch, and only because I've watched um, boxing. It's when somebody's head is down, and you start punching in a downward motion to the back of their head repeatedly and fast. Oh, wow. Boom, 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 boom. That's, I think, what boxing considers a rabbit punch. But in this panel, he is just jumping in, and he kicks this guy in the back of the head. All right, all right. So I don't... You know. Loose connection there, but I, 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 I think it applies. Maybe. I'm not sure. You know, Maybe there's a traditional definition of rabbit punch, but that's how I know it. Anyhow, uh, so yes, Beast is the one that chimes in and saves the day, and he grabs Mahayogi by the scruff of his shirt and gets ready to punch him in the face. And I want to point out that we've seen perspective shots like this, i.e. Quicksilver, where his fist is in the foreground and the other guy is in the background. This is a good perspective shot. Yes, you can see exactly what's going on. The other it one, makes sense. The other one was horrible. <laughs> uh, but and then we get a close-up of Maha Yogi, where or uh, Warlock, or uh, what is his cable? Merlin, um, the cable, and he, long uh, shot. <laughs> He's got the long shot eye thing going on. Where right. <laughs> or any other number of superheroes. Yeah. And uh, he manages somehow to hypnotize Beast even though he previously was unable to hypnotize Beast. And he's able to think it, too. Like, in, in the other panels, we saw him talking to everybody, like, look into my eyes, you are my servant. Now he's just thinking it. Now shall thine own mind become my servant and thine own traitor within mine traitor thing. Boon from Jun and so what does he do after he hypnotizes Beast? Does he command him to attack Iceman or go fetch him a sandwich and a beer? No, none of those. He punches uh, he cracks him, him on the chin. He punches him in the face. <laughs> Not once, but twice. With a Ugh, says Beast. With a crack and a walk. Warlock And uh, Warlock is starting to revel in this whole like physical combat. He's like, Well man, it's been a long time since I fought anybody fist to fist. This is fun. I wanna punch more people. <laughs> I'm gonna hypnotize them so they can't move and then punch them. That's bravery. So uh, he goes into a little diatribe about supremacy of mind and brawn, but still it's really like ah, it's really nice punching people. So he creates an illusion, I guess. No, what does he do here? He actually he says, the victory must be mine, and I must achieve it with my matchless mastery of mind manipulation. So he convinces uh, Beast that sandbags are falling upon his head. I don't know. I don't know whether no. they're actual sandbags I or whether they're imaginary. Because Iceman later says, looks like Hank's got himself in the same spot I was in a few seconds ago, which makes it sound like they're illusions. But he, but he, so he says, uh, achieve it with my matchless mastery of mind manipulation. But then the next little caption says, with the slightest gesture, the maddened mystic causes three huge bags of sand to topple from the theater roof, and smash with sickening force onto the dazed opponent. So he talks about mind manipulation, but he physically makes these bags fall on the beast's head. Yeah. So maybe some of them are real, some of them aren't real. Oh well, maybe that could be. But though his mind is not his own and his strength almost totally sapped, he survives. So then he kind of breaks free and says, can't let any more of them hit me. I must fight back. So he does. And that's when Iceman jumps yeah. in and freezes a light. <laughs> yeah. Not sure why he does this. Well, he freezes the light and then the light goes 
Flash, Brack, and and uh, Warlock's like, oh, that ear-shattering noise behind me. Oh, it's so loud. Oh, it, oh, it's so loud. I can't handle these loud noises. Oh, it's like cannons. This is oh, it's so loud. Right. <laughs> so apparently, the Warlock is susceptible to noise. Yeah, which is new to me. I was not aware of this weakness either, but uh, anyways. I also kind of got a little lost here, so now we're on page 12. Um, Warlock has recovered from his ear-splitting sound, and he starts shooting. Well, no, he takes the, 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 the amulet that was on his forehead, oh. and he throws it at Iceman. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, he does. Okay, I missed that part. And, uh, and says that his ice shield will not protect you from the senseless-staring, super-subliminal, destructive might of this killer gem... But then I wish you know what I wish people really talked like that, <laughs> like in a meeting, like you're you're predicting like oh, okay we got sales going up here and you know uh, quarter three is going to be senses shattering everybody I just want everybody to know that we're gonna it's gonna be senses shattering okay you see that chart there it's really big and that's what's gonna happen <laughs> but uh, anyway <anyways>. yes. <laughs> senses staggering so oh my this... god it smells so bad. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Iceman throws up a uh, two. He has a little shield and a big shield, mm-hmm. and he uses the big shield to bounce the amulet into the light control box. Well, yeah, uh, uh, Warlock calls it a killer gem, but then the um, uh, little. But it turns out to not be so killer. <laughs> well, it's not killer a, but the. The caption calls it the Jewel of Jeopardy. <laughs> then into the master... <laughs> Alex, what is completely ineffective? The warlock. Hooray, you win the money! <laughs> uh, Answer, zit! <laughs> zit! Uh, so the, the, then into the master control box, Karams? Karams, the Jewel of Jeopardy. Dang, that's a lot of neat words there. I'm going to have to look up Karams as soon as this podcast is over. (laughs) You're not going to even. (laughs) I don't know. I've never seen it before. I might if I can remember. It's sorcery-tainted radiance clashing and intermingling with the electrical force in the box's power circuits. The next second, a volcano of visual pyrotechnics erupts. To a normal mind, the eerily pulsating bursts of lambent luminescence would seem to possess an indescribably bizarre beauty, but not to the not to the evil, corrupted mind of the warlock. Just as Icy had figured it would, the bombardment of brain-bedazzling kaleidoscopic color fling him to the very brink of madness. Wait. And the reason I read all that is because there was no way to explain it. Yeah, uh, wait. So Icy, I would assume, is the shortened version of Iceman. Right. And apparently Iceman had figured that if he blocked the killer gem, also known as the Jewel of Jeopardy, into the lighting box, it would create this uh, cacophony of colors. Is that what And this... that would scare away the warlock or, 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 or bother him somehow. Bombard no. his brain. That's that's what we're inferring here. That was Iceman's plan, plan this whole time. Yeah, that was a good plan, Iceman. <laughs> Way to infer things that we had no knowledge of. I, you know, I'm gonna say it here. I, I think actually the split up of the X Men is for the best. 
<laughs> if Iceman can think on his feet like this, and look, I, I don't know what's going to happen on the next page, but Warlock sure looks like he's down and out. I mean, there's so many colors and swirlies in this page. Like, he definitely looks like he's not recovering from this. So anyways, mm. the crowd is released from the hypnotic control of the Warlock. Britney Spears is in the audience, and she says, Get him, Beast! This is a, a pre-baby, so, you know, she's she's kind of cute. Uh, <laughs> and Beast is climbing up some uh, uh, um, uh, curtain there, and uh, he's he's going in for the last punch, or I'm not really sure what's going on here, but they've all come out of the uh, hypnotic sway of the warlock, and so they're all very happy. Now, this is the show that they came to see. Somebody yeah, getting pummeled. Beast take on. Uh, everybody's cheering on the Beast. They really like him. Yeah. So, um, not really sure what happens here on the fourth panel, uh, but... Um, well, the curtain is thrown over the warlock, and he can't see. Okay. And the warlock is babbling about, how, what are they going to do next? They'll fail, because I will tramp. And so Iceman creates an ice hand, grabs a miniature speaker, rips it off the ground, and throws it under the curtain. And the, it is emitting a sonic scree. It's and, the, it's the um, hi-fi tape console. Right. It's a full blast. And Iceman figures, as he does this, that this will also bother. I mean, Iceman's got uh, the Warlock figured out in this issue. He's just like, check, uh, you know, danger by uh, hypnotic noise, check. Uh, danger by uh, cacophony of visuals check. He's like on top of his game. I think there's a contender for deputy leader. (laughs) (laughs) Could be, man. Could be. So, yes, he shoves the, and we get the next, he shoves the speaker underneath the blanket, as you said, and there's uh, two pages of scree, and the warlock is like, oh, my God, it hurts. Stop, stop, stop. And Beating, tearing, twisting at the warlock's id, threatening his unstable intellect with complete disintegration. And the warlock gives up. The warlock says, ee <laughs> C- Can't bear this soul-shattering torment another minute. Instant, rather. Do what you will with me, mutants. Lock me up, anything. So he kind of pulls ah, like... he hates the noise! He kind of pulls a Scooby-Doo villain thing here and says, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you kids. And your and your hi-fi setup <laughs> and your hi-fi speakers. When I was a kid, all we had was real to real, and we liked it, and it wasn't so loud, and it didn't <laughs> hurt my ears. I'm tired. <laughs> I need a nap. So in walked the police to go get the warlock. Um, Iceman says that does it, Beast. Guest, this is a uh, guess. We can drop the secret identities bit and drape our shapes in cities again. So. I don't know what that means. Uh, he's basically saying we can stop being superheroes and start being normal guys. We can drop the secret identities bit. It's a very dumb way of saying it. I'll give you that. I mean, it's almost like, up oh, the jig is up. They they know that Beast and Iceman are really Hank McCoy and uh, Bobby Drake, so let's go meet meet our maker. See, the problem with this issue is that at some point, everybody started talking like Beast. <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah, so then uh, Beast also reminds Iceman that, oh, the ladies, we better go get them pretty quickly, otherwise they're going to wonder what's going on. 
Yeah. And the ladies are walking out of the theater going, where are those guys? They did it to us again. Can you believe it? I'm furious. Now we have to pay for our own bus ride home. I'm so angry. And then uh, Beeston, or rather Bobby and Hank show up. And the at first the women are like, oh, we're not taking your sob stories. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to accept this crap anymore. Why don't you guys go off on a safari, you jerks? And then Bobby says, well, okay, it shouldn't be too hard to find dates at the Copa. <laughs> and then the uh, Vera, or no, that's Zelda, Zelda. says, uh, that, that plush night spot? I was only joking. Let's go. I'm famished. And then Bobby says, <laughs> just kidding. Don't have tickets to the Copa. Actually, it's Beast who says, yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted to go to the Copa, but uh, we actually happen to be financially embarrassed at the moment. So... Let's go. And the ladies are like, oh, you guys, shucks. You guys, and they slap We're about knees. to dump you, but we're going to take you back because you're adorable. But didn't the professor leave everything to the X-Men? Oh, he left everything to the X-Men in trust of Cyclops. So Cyclops must have been like, all right, guys, get out. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> you guys are out. Sorry. Uh, 75 cent stipend. You know what? It's a 60 cent stipend now. And you're lucky to get that. Now get out of my sight. <laughs> Gee, psych, what happened to you? Money. Money. I got a little taste of what money feels like, and I like it. Uh, anyways, that's the I'm end. getting hit with the financial force. That's right. So that's the end of this wonderful tale, the first tale of the X-Men separated because of the FBI. And I got to be honest, this was the most effective. I'm going to say it. This is the most effective that any X-Men has ever been. I got to agree with you, Bobby, you know, he figured out the situation and went forward with a plan and nailed the warlock to rights. He not only that, he, he realized instantly that Mahayogi was a warlock and instantly made the plan on how to defeat him. Oh, just yeah. Wow. Iceman for deputy leader is all I got to say. I'm going to have to agree with you. <clears throat> Plus, he knows how to get the ladies back by lying to their faces. <laughs> We're going to the Copa. We are? No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are great. All right. So uh, with all this Iceman love, we get uh, a tale of I, the Iceman, which isn't actually an origin story. It's just a uh, very... Another page from the X-Family album, they call it. Yes. It's just another very, very awful telling of Iceman's powers. Especially awful because all of his powers are the same. Yeah, they could have just done a one shot like they did. Did they do a one page? They did a one page of um, Cyclops, didn't they? And then they no, back. It, it was it was five pages. Ugh. All right. <laughs> Arnold Drake combined into one. Arnold Drake was given sole uh, responsibility for the story. You take the backup. I'm okay. sick of the X Men. <laughs> Werner Roth uh, is uh, given sole penciling, although I got I look at this artwork and he just phoned this stuff in. <laughs> yeah, I mean he literally he, he may have just given this to his kid and was like, you know what? Can you just can you just do this for me? Yes, Daddy. <laughs> wow, uh, you're pretty good. John Verputin is inking and Joe Rosen is lettering. Uh, I don't know about you, Adam, but I feel like just kind of blitz in this thing because it's just so terrible. Let's do this really fast. I, the Iceman. What can the Iceman do, Jeremy? A, he can throw a snowball. B, he can make ice slides. C, he can make his ice slides over things. Three, he can throw ice cubes. Three, four, he can make things out of ice. 
Five, he can make ice shields. Six, he can make an ice ladder. Seven, he can make an ice mountain. Uh, a special fact that you get to know about Iceman is that he gets his ice from moisture. He can make ice cubes at a party. He has to get undressed before he can put on his costume. He used to be a snowy guy. I don't know what's going on in this top panel on page four. And he likes to hang out in the cold. Oh, and who knows who would end up winning in a fight between Iceman and the Human Torch. And uh, Iceman wonders what would happen in space. That's, that's, a, that's an excellent telling of this terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible five-page story. Uh, well done, Adam. Uh, congratulations. There was one little bit in there. Uh, he does point out, some people have asked how I make these ladders without any supports. Well, perfect balance. <laughs> Yeah. So I would assume the same thing applies to his ice. Uh, <laughs> right. His ice Extremely slides. delicate balance. It may be important or it may lead to some comedy next week, but I would like to point out that the next issue promises to be the origin of the angel. Hint, it's not the origin of the angel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, also the main story next issue will be Computo and his somewhat sinister Cybertrons. And wait till you dig their far-out beehive. Is, wasn't Cybertron the planet where the Transformers came from? Yeah, but this happened way before the, the Transformers. <laughs> the, the Transformers are still fighting the Cybertronian Wars. They haven't uh, built the Ark to get down to Earth yet. Computo, more than meets the eyes. It's the, it's the original Megatron, Computo! Democrats wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Republicans. Oh, there you go. You just alienated half of our fan base. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Now sing it the other way. But it doesn't make any sense the other way. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, hey. Um, uh, Democrats bad, Republicans good. There you go. <laughs> One or the other. Whichever you're in favor for, so are we. Listen to our podcast. Yes, yes. We love you, and we love your ideological beliefs. Yes. Unless you hate things. Yeah, don't hate people. people like you. Yeah. Um, so not too, many, uh, not too much noise out there in Internet land, uh, but I did get an email from a good friend of yours and mine, Adam. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I got an email from... Uh, one Drew Matat. Oh, really? He was saying hello and making some arrangements, but then mentioned that he was staying with his brother Sean and that Sean is a big fan and would like a shout-out. So this, <laughs> this is your shout-out, Sean. Next time, don't have your brother email me to get it. All right. Sean, <laughs> how's it going? And put some, put some feedback on iTunes or something. Yeah, seriously. Sean strikes me as the type of guy that has an iPod, don't you think? Uh, I, yeah, he does. He has a, I believe he has a Nano. Oh, oh well, all right, close enough. <clears throat> uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, nobody else, uh, nobody else bothered to write it. No, no, everybody else else was too busy. <laughs> everybody else was too busy listening to the back catalog because they're like, oh, we love this so much, we're gonna listen to it again. I don't have time to write in or anything. But if you do choose to, uh, come visit us at the uh, iTunes page. You can just type in Danger Room. Like I think. We keep moving up in the ranks, not like um, like popularity-wise, but when you type in Danger Room, like there's an album that shows up and then our podcast. So it's really easy to find us on Danger Room. 
Whereas in the X-Men, if you type in X-Men, we're actually slipping in the polls. We've gone down a couple slots. I think we're 10 now. We used to be three. Son of a... Yeah. We got to fix... Seriously. All right, fans. We got to fix that. I don't know how, but maybe just go into iTunes and search for (laughs) X-Men a lot. Uh, Also, go to uh, Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, or you can go to RedCatProductions.com forward slash Danger Room. Or you can visit our Twitter feed, which we hardly ever update. One day I'll figure out how to do it, and that's at Danger Room Go. Hey, we've been updating you lately, you know, one or two a week. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the real um, test of Twitter success is if somebody retweets a tweet that you tweeted. There you go. Somebody be the first person to retweet one of our tweets. I don't know what any of that um, means, but you know. <laughs> um, if somebody could tweet me how to tweet, that would be fantastic. After the show, we're gonna we're gonna tweet a message that says retweet this, please. And yeah. we want you to retweet that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go, everybody. It's happening. <laughs> it's for real. Uh, next issue is the big fifty. And um, we're not doing anything special for it, but we will be doing something special eventually down the line. However, I put it to the readers, the listeners, that with issue, uh, with, we have 24 iTunes reviews, and we need at least half of 50 to, uh, to go on. Well, we're going to go on anyway, I guess. But we want 25 by the time we get to 50. So somebody out there has got to do something for us. What episode are we on? 49? This is 49. Oh, okay. So y- you literally have like two weeks, one of you, yes. to just go out there and, and do that thing to make it 25. And then, boom, we're half of 50. And we are going to do something neat. Uh, we have, we've got grandiose plans, which I will not share because probably none of them will come true. And then we'll just look like jackasses for not coming true on the promises. But something neat will happen. Uh, not for issue 50. Uh, and not well, actually not for episode fifty, but perhaps issue fifty. We don't know yet. So stick around for that. It'll be it'll be neat. I'm sure. Whatever it is. All right. Uh, with all of that said, uh, the danger room is closed. <laughs>